This is Geek Gab with your host, Nornal and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, October 20th, 2018. And today we're going to be discussing a bunch of other little things, but also Halloween, the brand new movie, Halloween, that is a kind of sort of sequel to the original Halloween from 40 years ago, uh, which I went and bothered to see, but my fellow host did not, and yet even so, um, we're, uh, we're gonna see exactly how exciting his week was to make it so that he had to miss the show we were going to be reviewing. What up with that? Hey, man. You know me. I had an opportunity to play Terraforming Mars. And I, so I did that. But I gotta be honest. Horror movies just don't do it for me. You're not a horror movie fan. I've seen a few of the greats. I've seen Saw, the, the original Saw. Uh, oh, really? I, uh, I, I was late, though. I didn't see Saw when it was out. It was just a few years ago. Um, my brother, in particular, does like horror movies. And he says, John, John, it's, believe me, it's actually a good movie. It's not just a good horror movie. It's a good movie. I saw Saw. I thought it was a good movie. Um, similarly, uh, another one that I saw late was, uh, it's, it's, not coming, it's not coming to me now, Scream. I didn't see that one. Uh, not being a horror fan, I didn't really appreciate the way it deconstructed horror films. But I saw it afterwards. It was actually pretty good. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, of course. Saw that a long time ago. We had a VHS tape of that. It, it completely destroyed my dreams as a child. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm not. A, I'm not a horror fanatic. I don't. I don't seek out the latest and greatest uh, schlocky slasher picks. They just don't appeal to me. So, so I, I, I want to say I hate to be a downer, but I love to be a downer. What about you? Um. I have been a, a fan of horror movies for a while now, although uh, recently, in the last three or four years, I've been way too busy to watch just about anything. Uh, and so, other than zombie movies, I haven't seen horror movies for a long time. Um, this, so this is a is a big exception to the general rule uh, recently. It's not because I'm avoiding horror movies. It's because I'm busy as heck. Um, and so... Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see more horror movies than I do. Of course, I also watched that season and a half of Penny Dreadful that we talked about um, on the show a long time ago. I don't know. I don't remember how long ago, but a long time ago. And so that was, that got to be a slog near the middle of the series. And so that's when I bowed out. But uh, yeah, we did a real, we did a really good discussion of the horror genre and tropes of the horror genre and what it takes to be, you know, make a, a horror book and everything. So maybe I'll stick that in the links, uh, have people go and take a look at that. Um, but yeah, you I like horror movies. Horror. You love the horror, but you don't, you haven't watched so many lately. Yeah. Um, now we had a couple things we wanted to mention real quick. Do you want to just skip that and go right into a discussion of the movie? Tell me about this movie. I'm, I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat. Okay. First off, I have not seen the original Halloween. 
Oh, they, they tell me that Jamie Lee Curtis had the best scream in all of Hollywood. Uh, I think you got that from Scream. Is that so? Yes. I may have heard it outside of that, but... <laughs> um, That's what made her famous, right? Jamie Lee Curtis? She got her start in horror movies um, and then went legit in trading places, actually. Um, which was the... Uh, Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy film about a rich, rich white broker and a poor, poor black con man who uh, gets switched for various reasons. Jamie Lee Curtis played a prostitute in that movie. Um, and so that's where she went legit. Until then, she had been uh, the, the screen queen, I think they called her. Um, oh, I like that. So... Halloween is kind of a bizarre, a, a kind of a bizarre series. Um, it is, uh, it's had. It's a series, is it? There have been, including this one, there have been 11 movies. Oh, that doesn't sound good. Now, <clears throat> Rob Zombie did Halloween and Halloween 2 in 2007 and 2009. They're basically complete reboots. Had nothing to do with uh, anything else in the series. Um, oh, I remember. I remember. Didn't they, do, didn't they do a sequel a long time ago with Buster Rhymes in space? Something like that. I don't remember. Um, or I don't know. Um, they had a couple of movies that were sequels early on. John Carpenter intended the movie to be a, a series an anthology series so that each Halloween movie would be completely different, have a completely different plot to completely different characters, completely different premise. And the audiences really, really hated that. It really, really confused them. I mean, it's like going and seeing Star Wars. And then, you know, Star Wars 2 is about a Star Wars in a completely different galaxy with completely different characters. You'd be like, wait a minute, what? Oh, I see. You see, that, I, I'm a total nerd because that sounds great to me. I would... I would appreciate some sort of film franchise that was an anthology franchise instead of a running character thing. That would make sense in TV shows. Um, it doesn't make sense in movies, or at least it's never worked out in movies as far as I know. Um, it's just not what audiences want or expect. Uh, I know what I want and expect because I uh, looked this up on the internet. Thank you, IMDb. Uh, I was remembering. I was remembering Halloween Resurrection from 2002. So it's ah. a film with Busta Rhymes in it. And back in 2002, that was pretty much the zenith of horror films. And it's set in space. That might have been a different one. I think that was. Uh, I think you might be confusing that with Jason X. Yes, I'm confusing that with Jason X. Uh, which yeah, is I wouldn't a, be confused if I actually saw the films. Friday the Thirteenth in space, which I also have not seen. Um, I've seen a lot of the Friday the 13th movies. I think I've seen like eight or nine of them. Why um, did it take them so long to put them in space? I did not see the space one, and I also did not see the crossover with Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm not saying these are bad movies. I just haven't seen them. I've seen a lot of bad horror movies. I just haven't seen specifically those. So um, my original intention for the show, which was un unfortunately aborted because I just did not have the time, was to watch the Michael Myers Halloween movies. Um, the original Halloween and, uh, you know, Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Um, 
and so on and so forth. Specifically, I was hoping to see um, 20 years later, H2O, because that was also Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, and I don't know if it's her first return to the series, but she, uh, it, uh, it, it retcons the series so that all the previous sequels doesn't take place. So it's as if it was the first Halloween and then H2O and none of the other uh, sequels happened. Um, and, and the odd thing is, is this movie, um, Halloween 2018, it's just called Halloween because they want to confuse you again. Um, also retcons every other previous sequel. And so it's just the original Halloween and then this one 40 years later. Um, so, so in the Halloween cinematic universe, Buster Rhymes no longer exists. There are three different timelines, at least four if you count Rob Zombies. Um, maybe six or seven if you count the not actually Michael Myers movies. So, yeah. Um, I didn't get to see those. I would have liked to see those, to talk about them on the show. I didn't get to see those. So I just went into this movie fresh, without having seen any of, uh, any of the previous Halloween movies. And so I don't... I have heard that Halloween, the original, 1978, established a lot of the tropes of slasher movies. That later slasher movies simply borrowed plot points from it, um, like, uh, you know, the final person to survive is the is the one girl. Um, she's the final survivor of the virgin girl that was parodied in... Uh, cabin in the woods um, and you know people get killed who are engaging in uh, illicit activities although that may have come in also from Friday the 13th in the original movie there were I think and they mentioned it in this movie like five murders only five people get killed in the original movie and the rest is this very very tense you know series of chases and scares and things like that um and so in this movie of course they up the body count i think they triple it if i counted right and i was trying to keep count during the movie um but i forgot at one point or another i think they got between 15 and and 20 people got killed in this movie you can tell that this movie was intended to be a soft reboot in a retcon because they changed a lot of key points about the movie. In the original movie, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character is a sister of Michael Myers. Um, and in this one, they just change it so that she's not. Uh, and they had a really kind of obnoxious, contemptuous line like, oh, that was just added later so people could be, could feel better. And it was like, Dude, you know what? If you're making a movie that's trading it off the success of a John Carpenter movie from 40 years ago for its bucks, that's where you're making your bucks. You really shouldn't sneer at the original movie. <laughs> that's just not cool. Um, and so, uh, was it a good horror movie? Um I don't know, man. Let's 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 de let's deconstruct this. Let's let let's let's get uh, academic about this, Daddy Warpig. What makes a good horror movie? Um, 
Man. I think that's going to lead into a long discussion and take me away from, <laughs> from the movie. That's um, right. right. We got Bradford C. Walker hanging out in the chat. He loves it when you get lost on, on tangents. I think that this movie had an interesting idea going into it. And the beginning and the buildup is you can tell it's well shot. It, they spent, I don't know if they spent a ton of money on the movie, but they definitely got a lot of talent uh, behind the camera, operating the camera. It's well directed. Um, but in my opinion, the screenwriter, although there's a way of making movies where you're just like virtue signaling, where you've got to do your politics, you've got to wave your political flag and, and let everybody know how good your politics are and how terrible everybody who disagrees with your politics is. Um, this movie was not that. I want to make that very, very clear. This movie was not that. It was not a political flag-waving movie. Um, and, and, and in fact, you know that because a lot of the things that happen in the movie go directly against what would be a political flag-waving movie in today's Hollywood climate. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis's character, who survived the initial onslaught of Michael Myers 40 years ago, has been obsessing about him for 40 years ago and kind of living in, uh, not quite fear, but in... Uh, anticipation, um, grim and uh, committed anticipation of his return. And so she has um, a big, huge uh, closet of guns. And she learned how to shoot, and she carries a gun at all times. She taught her daughter how to shoot from the time she was young enough to pick up a gun. I think they said eight years old in the movie. And so and her preparations um, are actually important. They play a large role in the story successfully. And one of the plot points is that this daughter who rebelled against her um, later comes to appreciate her training more. So she's she's kind of like um, John Connor's mother, Sarah Connor, Terminator I was just Two. About to say that, yeah. Um, I just, I just had that picture in my mind of Sarah Connor with the at the end of the Terminator with a German Shepherd in the in the Jeep with uh with a rifle. Yeah, in Terminator Two, where she was, you know, she had spent so many years learning how to shoot guns and and claw, you know kill things silently, and had gone through all those you know guerrilla training or whatever, so she could train her son. It, she's kind of like that in this movie, Jamie Lee Curtis's character, Lori, um, but. And so the movie is not set up as a political polemic. It does not lecture against people. It doesn't even get like a, um, you would expect if they were trying to be political, she would at one point make some kind of offhand comment like, oh, well, yes, I needed all this because I knew Michael would be back one day. I'm not one of those, you know, Midwestern gun nuts who collects guns and doesn't need them. Doesn't happen. That is not in the movie. Not even a pretense of that. They, no hint of political um sure preaching so and and the reason why i want to be very clear about that is because i'm what i'm about to say could kind of sound like i am implying that this is that kind of movie it is not that kind of movie but i think the writer has marinated in politically correct culture for so long that a lot of the things that he thinks are good and great and exciting 
is uh, are things that are they're not they don't make for good drama. They are intellectually exciting to people for political reasons, but they don't make for a good story. Um, or they leech some of the drama and impact out of the story. There was a lot of a lot of stereotypical um, horror movie scenes, but most of them were done very well. Um, and there was a lot of things in the movie that I think were callbacks to the original, but I haven't seen the original, so I don't get the um, I don't get the full impact of them. Like apparently, at one point in the original, Doctor Loomis, um, who is a psychiatrist. Is Michael Myers' psychiatrist goes to try and kill him and is stopped by a sheriff's deputy. Well, 40 years later, that sheriff's deputy is now the sheriff of Haddonfield, Illinois. And so he's a major character. So that's a deliberate direct callback to the original. There are characters on screen who they show their faces and they show them being killed. It does not play a role in the plot. And so the only thing I'm assuming is like, oh, was that someone from the original movie who survived and now he's gone back and, and wiped them out? Or maybe it was just a kill to show how ruthless he was. Um, and at one point they have this dollhouse in Jamie Lee Curtis's house that was her daughter's while she was growing up. And the dollhouse doesn't have any role in the movie, but they linger on it. It's full in the shot for uh, a while. Um, I mean, that may only be a second or two, but that's a long time when you're watching a movie. And then later, for various reasons, the dollhouse is shown burning from the front. And I can't help but think that that dollhouse was maybe a copy of the house from the original that she was babysitting in when these things happened. Um, whatever it was, um, I didn't get it. Could and it the fact that they lingered on it twice was kind of... Confusing. That's the only thing I can guess. Well, ba based on the scenes uh, surrounding it, was it some sort of hand-handed symbolism for the loss of childhood innocence? I would not bet that. All right, that was my best guess. So, I mean, they have a really—they do have a really cool sh scene where once she hears that Michael Myers is about to be transferred from prison A to prison B. Now, as soon as you hear that, you know what's going to happen. That's not a. That's not a spoiler. That's not even bad plotting. It's a Halloween movie. You know Michael Myers is going to get escaped somehow. And so when they put him on a bus to move him from one uh, prison to another, what's going to happen? Well, he's going to get off it somehow. You know that. You know that's going to happen. That's not a spoiler for me, and that's not a knock on the movie. Um, the cool scene, though, is when she hears that he's been... Uh, put on the bus and he's going to be transferred, she goes to her house in the woods and she has all these mannequins set up on a firing range. And they show her shooting up these mannequins, doing headshots, shooting up a, a you know a torso outline uh, with headshots. They show that she has spent a lot of time with weapons and all these mannequins have been torn up. You can see they've been shot many, many times before. So they're establishing her, um, establishing the credibility of her having trained for 40 years for this day. Um, and 
it's also really, really a, just a fun scene. She shoots with a pistol, then she shoots with a rifle, then she shoots with a shotgun. Um, and it's just kind of a cool, you know, kind of a cool scene in the woods. Later, we see flashbacks of the daughter shooting off, uh, or being trained by her and shooting and stuff. So I don't want to say it's a bad movie. I don't want to say it's a horror movie. There are many scenes in there that are really brutally effective and done in a way that you wouldn't expect. Um, at one point, a reporter and his, uh, a radio reporter uh, from England and his assistant come in to interview Michael Myers in this prison that he's in, in the sanitarium. And he has in his bag the, what is supposed to be uh, the original mask from the original movies 40 years ago. And he holds it out and he demands that, you know, Mike talk to him or something. And Michael Myers doesn't say anything. Um, you never see the guy's face. You never see Michael Myers' face. You do see that he's got kind of a beard and it's gone white. It's been 40 years and so he's obviously old. She's old. She looks like a grandma now and she is a grandma in the movie. Um, and so you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that's cool. And then uh, later on, you see him getting out of the car to go, or, or her getting out of the car to go to the restroom. And in the background, you see Michael Myers walking in. He's out of focus, but he's in this white jumpsuit. He walks into the garage, and then you cut to the inside when she's asking for the, like the key to the restroom. You can see Michael Myers pounding on something. You don't see who he's pounding on. You don't see what happened, but you know what's going on. He's there, he's killing people, and nobody's noticed it yet. Um, and so that, that that was a very, and that sequence continues for a while, and all of those shots, all of that time is a very effective sequence. Um, and so it's well-directed, well-acted, well-edited. It's a very, very effective horror movie sequence. And some of the gore that you end up seeing later that were part of that scene is not super, super bloody. But what it implies that happened just kind of, it made me wince because I imagine how painful it would have been to have that happen to you. Um, and it shows the sheer physical force that Michael Myers is capable of exerting, how strong he is. And he is almost inhumanly strong. Um, and so that sets up the, sets you up for dread, sets you up for anticipation for other things that you know are going to be happening. Um, Michael Myers is, in effect, a human Terminator. Um, I mean, this was made like six years before the Terminator, the original Halloween movie was. But... If you've seen the original Terminator, you know how implacable, how almost indestructible, how ruthless the Terminator was, how it just kept coming. You remember Michael Bean's speech where he said, he won't stop, he'll never stop, this is what he does, don't you understand? This is all he does. He doesn't feel pain doesn't or feel remorse pain. or fear, and yeah. he will not stop until you are dead. Yep. That's what Michael Myers is in this movie. And they make that quite clear from the beginning. And it's very well established and not in a cheesy way, in a very effective, you know, brutal way that doesn't, doesn't play into cliches. And even though some of the situations 
in the movie are situations you've seen before. There's a babysitter and a kid. They're not played the exact same way. They're not played in a cliche manner. So I don't, uh, earlier I said there were some cliched scenes in there. Yes, there were, but they're not played in a cliched way. They're not just thrown in there thoughtlessly. They go through, they think about the scene and they try to do it in a new way. So even though you know what's happening or you know what's coming, it's not boring and repetitive and obviously ripped off of like seven other movies or 10 other movies or a hundred other movies, whatever. And it feels like you've got a big butt here. Um, the but is that I think the ending of the movie was weakened greatly because of just some choices by the screenwriter or the director that I think were meant well. I think they had like a good goal in mind, or at least what they thought was a good goal in mind, but I think it, it weakened the horror it made the movie just not as good as it could have been. Um, it stole some of the impact from the end. Um, I, I, I think. Go ahead. Well, let me let me talk about. I, I remember a couple of other horror films that I've seen. The the ones that I think are the best horror films I've seen. Uh, Alien, and The Ring. Actually, I thought the American version of The Ring was actually pretty good. Yes, I like the American version of The Ring. It's it, a great movie. Yeah, uh, but Alien is the best. Uh, but it's 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 a monster movie set up just like Halloween was. You know, there's uh, there's a group of people trapped with a monster that is obviously bigger, stronger, faster than they are. And the suspense is seeing if they can find a way to stop the monster or get away from the monster and, and how many of them actually make it out alive. Yes. It was very effective. Why was it very effective? Uh, they take a little bit of time to set up the characters uh, so that you have a vague, even if they're just two-dimensional cardboard cutouts, at least they have they have a little bit of meaning. You get a feeling for who these people are so that when they act and react to the monster, you understand what's going on. Uh, and you worry about their safety. And then the monster starts, the, the, the attacks ramp up and they, they have to scramble to figure out a way out. In, in a movie with, in a horror film with sequels, you have a problem with the uh, characters who come back. Like uh, Evil Dead's another one of my favorites. Uh, of course, I think they figured out early on, by the time they did Evil Dead 2, they figured out early on that, let's just kind of turn this into a goofy comedy. Because if, if and, and, and that was one of the first films to subvert the virgin survivor trope. Because uh, Ash, played by Bruce Campbell, is the one who survived. Um, also, nobody was a virgin because <clears throat> tree rape. Anyway, they uh, they had to go into a comedy horror direction, right? Because you've got these pre-existing characters. Yeah, you know about them and you care about them, but are you really concerned? In, in all the sequels that Jamie Lee Curtis was in, are you really worried that she's not going to be one of the survivors? Maybe she didn't this time, and, and I'm not going to ask you to spoil that, but... Are you really going in there going, man, Michael Myers sure is going to kill his sister this time? <laughs> it, um, it, it gets rid of some of the tension, doesn't it? But when, when you watch something like Alien for the first time, uh, everybody's on the menu. <laughs> I uh, Stunned you. Nice. That was my turn. 
I think what I, I can't discuss exactly what weakened the ending without going into spoilers. Um, because just just to observe a couple of things that happened would spoil the entire um, spoil the entire uh, ending of the movie. I mean, it would just give it all away. Um, and this is a movie that really, if the if the ending of the movie isn't you know ending a movie shouldn't be spoiled from you, I think it'll weaken the impact greatly if it is. Um, so just some of the things that happen in the movie, I, I can see the direction they're going and I see why they're going there, but I think it it just did not, it weakened Michael Myers as a, as a sense of menace. It made him less menacing. And so that weakened the ending of the movie. Because if you drop down from Terminator to just the dude, then beating him isn't as big an achievement. In the original Terminator, she was in a factory and Michael Bain, I'm sorry, folks, it's a, what, 34-year-old movie? 1984, 34-year-old movie, sometime around that? We can spoil the Terminator. It's we okay. can spoil the Terminator. You're just going to have to suffer. Um she gets into a factory. Uh, he gets killed. She goes into the factory. The Terminator gets blown up, and it's halfway, you know, all its bottom half is blown up, and it's still crawling along the floor just inexorably after her, and she's wounded, and she finally barely, barely gets through that steel press and crushes it, and its hands are literally inches from her throat. That's a way. That's a way to make the enemy terrifying up to the last second of the movie, up to the last second of the chase. This movie instead, for the last 20 minutes or so, completely deconstructs, and I mean that in the, in the technical sense of the term, they completely take apart the original series and even what they've done up to that point and try to reconstruct it together to make you know basically to make lori seem like a you know a big bold strong woman who whatever that's the statement they're making and in doing so they completely ruin or completely ruin the character of michael myers they don't ruin the, the ending of the movie, but they ruin the character Michael Myers, and they make him not the Terminator that he's been through the whole movie. So if, if I may infer that all the preparation and training that she's done over the years puts her in, in, in a situation where she's capable enough to basically kick his ass at the end of the movie. It, it's not just her preparation. See, the thing is, you could have done it where her preparation was so good that she actually has a victory over Michael Myers, despite the fact that he's a, you know, a Terminator, effectively a Terminator. That could have been done, and that would have been a great ending if it had just been up to the very last second, and it was just by the barest, barest, barest margins that she succeeded, and she's been, you know, hurt and 
had to just work hard and and there was nothing absolute unrelenting until the end that would have been great that would have been an awesome ending to the movie and that would have made this an incredible movie but it isn't um they just completely tore down the character of michael myers until he isn't he just isn't scary he's just some guy he's basically just a at that point he becomes a burglar who broke into her house he's not this terrifying elemental force of pure evil um and i i think that was an absolutely a mistake and so the movie isn't trying to make a political point but in trying to make a politically correct point about you know women whatever trying to build up women to make them seem really really super strong i think that um in the original aliens movie ripley was a woman who was really really strong in the original um terminator movie you know sarah connors was a woman who was really really strong and they didn't have to make the villains seem like chumps to do it and in this movie in the last you know 20 minutes of the movie they make uh, Michael Myers kind of into a chump. Um, not super bad, but just enough to completely destroy the character and make him not at all menacing. Um, it's, uh, it, there are, there are, and I can't remember the show this was in, um, but there are in, in cartoons it might have been the simpsons or it might have been something else i don't remember where you know you have this big menacing killer and he's marching along and then uh the main characters are like playing jokes on him um oh no scooby-doo sorry scooby-dooby-doo the scooby-doo mysteries they okay. will run up to him in this most ridiculous get up like a Carmen Miranda getup, Scooby-Doo the dog. He's in a Carmen Miranda getup. He's got a big hat piled high with fruit. And they say, will you do this? And they hand him something to hold. And the big bad villain just stands there, the ghost, the monster of Lost Peak, just stands there while he's you know holding this stuff. And then they take a picture of him and he's all dazzled. And so he drops everything on the floor and he's just you know turning around and he can't see anything. And so they push him down and shoot. And it's played for comedy. Now, in a Scooby-Doo show, that's perfect. But in this movie, they do not as silly. It's not comedic. But they do the same thing, and it drains the menace from the villain the same way uh, those things that happen just about every episode of Scooby-Doo that I've ever seen. When they happen, they make the villain not seem as threatening and terrifying as he was. And that sort of thing, where they're playing tricks on the villain um, and thus making him seem to be less than he is, a lesson he's been through the whole movie happens in the climax of this and it's meant to build up Lori to make her seem like a better character but it does exactly the opposite it robs her victory of of um of impact it that's, completely lessens it that's too bad I, that's something to go back to alien that's something that that's really important in alien it's it's such a fine line to walk because you the monster needs to be unstoppable but there needs to be a little bit of hope that you, and the ending needs to be believable you have to believe that the character has figured out a way to defeat or escape the monster and so when you find out yeah the alien can 
bleed or the alien is sensitive to um, high temperatures, that sort of thing. And that, that factors into the way uh, Ellen Ripley escapes, that sort of thing. That's a really, that's a tough line to walk. And, and if you, um, to, to go to video games, they did this um, uh, in World of Warcraft, its best expansion probably was Wrath of the Lich King. But they did, th uh, they gave uh, the Lich King the Michael Myers treatment. He was built up as, as throughout the, the stupid, stupid lore of the game. He's this horrible villain, this horrible monstrosity. But every time there's a, a cut scene where, you know, he, sh he stands off against the main major heroes, he gets punked. Because, of course, he needs to be beatable, but they completely deflate his menace. Uh, and he, he just looks incompetent the whole time. Um, and, and they also make Jamie Lee Curtis seem incompetent too. I mean, she's been preparing for this for 40 years. And yet her front door of her house has two big, and, and I'm not spoiling anything because this is in the posters and it's in the trailer. So uh, I don't count it as a spoiler. At one point, she's standing at the door of her house and Michael Myers bashes his arm through the glass of one side and grabs her, then bashes his arm through the glass of the other side and grabs her and then pulls her up and is killing her. She's about to die. And it doesn't make him seem menacing. It makes her seem stupid. You're like, you've been building your house with steel shutters on the door, uh, with you know big iron cord locks in so many places, and you didn't think? I mean, you've got big steel bars on all the windows, and you left the glass on your front door. You didn't replace your front door with a, you know, big, thick steel cord door with, you know, big, huge, impenetrable hinges. You've got huge banks of light on the roof of your house to brighten, you know, turn it into day so you can't hide in the shadows. And you didn't think to do this to your door. It wasn't a scary scene because it made her seem like she was completely incompetent. That for 40 years, she had just overlooked it and never once thought, oh, hey, there's some flimsy glass. It was one of those stained glass window kind of things with little colored glass. I, I wonder if he could punch that in. I mean, sure, I've prepared the entire rest of the house so he can't break in the windows. But nah, it's not like he'll ever break in the front door. Well, for for me, for me, that doesn't make it. It makes it sound like like she's stupid. But what bothers me about that, because that doesn't bother me. What bothers me about that, it is uh, nakedly a mistake by the writers. They they say, hey, this is a great scene, and and I guess it's cool for him to punch in the nose. Like that's that's got some flair to it. You know, they so they sacrifice the integrity of the narrative for what amounts to a pretty cool trailer shot, and that's that's the part about it that bothers me. They, that, there, there was in in the finale of the movie. There were several things that it, it it looks like the finale was rewritten a couple of times. There were a lot of things that ended up on screen that didn't make sense. That you're wondering, why the heck are they doing this? Like they have this big secret door that she opens up that takes a long time to open up and it's slow and it grates and, and it's kind of unexpected that it shows up and you get it early on in the movie and then it comes back at the end. And then they like open it and close it and open it and close it and open it literally like six or seven times when 
it shouldn't have been closed and it shouldn't be opened again. You've already reminded the audience that it's there. It shouldn't be opening and closing all those many times. And they were careful. It never opened when it was already opened. It never closed when it was already closed, but it shouldn't have been happening that many times. It was distracting. And you're like, that. why would she have closed that anyway? If she just needed to go right back upstairs, it's like she goes downstairs, she flips the switch, grind, 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 rumble, 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 rumble. And then, like, she just has to go back upstairs literally less than a minute of screen time later. Made no sense. It was very, and no, no in movie time had passed either. It's just like, you know what? That, that shouldn't have happened. I don't know what you were going for, but that shouldn't have happened. There were several things like that. Exactly what you said. It's like they just didn't think things through. And so even the point they were trying to make was really undermined by what they were doing. Um, yeah, and, and she spent 40 years preparing her house specifically for Michael Myers. And she still has closets with doors on them. Um where he can hide and she can has to go in and risk her life, risk sudden death to try and push open the doors on these closets. That shouldn't have happened. Um, that it made no sense for who the character was. Sarah Connors would never have made that mistake. Um, if she was in this same position, wouldn't have happened. So, I think that they ruined the ending of the movie by ruining Mike Myers, and yet at the same time, the point they were trying to make at the end of the movie was ruined by some of the choices they made for Jamie Lee Curtis. They were trying to make her seem like she's big, she's bad, she's unstoppable. Um, almost tried to turn it into a, a you know an actiony kind of movie, not as kinetic, but that kind of hero. Um, and then they completely undermined her. By making her seem dumb. So, so to to sum up, it sounds like it was a it was a pretty all right horror movie with a really weak ending. An ending that could have been great but was not. Ah, uh, what a tragedy. Um. So, and 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 they were really really close to having a truly great movie. I mean, the rest of the movie is fine. It's it's you know it's it good horror. Um. But. Yeah, that the way they did Michael Myers at the end completely, you know, deconstructed him completely, uh, ruined him. And and if you're watching the movie, you will notice at least two shots that have been recycled from the original Halloween. Uh, and I know about the first one because I had to do a search for art uh, for a blog post, and I saw this, you know, iconic scene earlier. There are two shots that. Uh, you will recognize from the original Halloween that were completely flipped in context. You'll be able to say, oh, yes. Uh, or not just from Halloween, but from horror movies in general, uh, slasher movies in general. But they've been flipped. And that's part of the whole weakening Mike Myers thing. Um, so, yeah, I think a Terminator-style ending where she, yeah, she's prepared for 40 years. She's tough physically. She's tough mentally. She's got all these gadgets and... You know, everything's set up in her house to protect against Mike Myers when he comes for her because she knows he's going to be coming for her. And then it turns out that all of her work, all of her effort was smart and tough and great, but only barely managed to succeed. That would have been an awesome ending. That would have been an ending I would have, you know, almost been standing up and cheering for. Um, 
you know, I'm going to be flippant here, but isn't it great in all these uh, universes where someone as dangerous as Michael Myers or uh, the Joker, for that matter, aren't simply executed for their capital offenses? <laughs> How much easier would it be if, if uh, I don't know where, where Halloween is set, but wouldn't it be easier if the state just said, oh, he's a nearly unstoppable serial killer? <laughs> yep, he's getting the chair. Um, one other thing that disappointed me is that every single character I pointed to and said they're going to die, they died. Um, well, come on, that's a horror film. <laughs> you're not you're not really hitting the jackpot there with that one. One character I didn't have an opinion on, I didn't know whether he was going to die or not, didn't die, and that was kind of surprising to me. Because in most horror movies, they would have made a point of killing him. I'm just like, oh, that's kind of, all right. Um, and then the one guy I pointed to and said, he's uh, secretly evil, turns out to be secretly evil. So. Of course. Well, you know what? At this point, and I'm not being flippant here, dude, uh, you should write a proper horror film. <laughs> You'd at least know how to end it, that's for sure. So... Yeah, I mean, it was a good movie. It was effective. It was good horror. They did a lot of good things with it. They obviously spent a lot of time working on it, putting it together. Um, the ending, the problem with the ending is it seems like it went through a lot of rewrites. And I suspect it was trying to get close to what they're doing with her character, making her into a big, brave, strong woman. But all of the things they did to do that ruined Michael Myers, and then it also undermined the point. That's my... Um, that's my conclusion about Halloween. That's too bad. So, um, it's it's cheaper movies that are more uh, quote unquote cliched were more effective horror movies because they didn't try to make the politically correct point this movie is making. Um, I mean, oh, well. any of the Friday the Thirteenth movies, and I'm not. I'm not talking. I'm not skipping over the Halloween movies because I think they're bad. I haven't seen any of the other ones before this one, but the Friday the Thirteenth movies were very effective. Um, the first one is completely a traditional; it is not cliched at all. And the other ones were very effective in doing the horror there during the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, very, very effective in doing its horror. Um, and, and those things came out of the 70s. And so there was, and we've talked about this on the show before. In the 70s, there were no rules. There were no walls. There were no, oh, you can't do this or you can't do that. So you had no idea what was going to happen in a horror movie when you went in. Um, and then in the 80s, they became more formulaic. Um, and I will say this. One thing that impressed me early on in the movie is they deliberately broke one of those modern day kind of rules that you absolutely do not do X and they broke it. And it's like, whoa, okay. Maybe they're coming out and making a point and saying, this is a horror movie where we're not going to have rules anymore. That people you'll think are safe because of X and Y and Z, they're not safe. Sure. And at another point in the movie, I thought they were going to go and carry that through perfectly. Just establish beyond a doubt how evil 
Michael Myers is and how ruthless he is and how he was going to do anything. And so there were nothing that could be safe. I don't know. Maybe it would have been too far for modern horror audiences or general audiences. I mean, they they mean this movie to be a blockbuster. They want it to be a big, big, big success. They had apparently 80 million already, or it's on track to get 80 million the first weekend, which is a really good showing. Um, and so maybe that was better. Um, but at the same time, if they had done that, if they had the balls to do that, I would have been applauding. I would have been like, wow, that is, even if it had been off screen and it was only hinted at, um, and it was kind of left murky, so you didn't know if that happened or not. Uh, I'm talking about a baby. As I say, you're, you're being you're being super vague here. I'm talking about a baby, an infant, a squalling child in a crib. Right. He's killed the mother. Yeah, and and, and they never show they never show baby killing. Yeah. yeah, or hint at it or anything. I would have thought, you know what? That would have established this as kind of that a callback to that nasty 70s horror where you never knew what was going to happen. Even if, you know, all that happened is you have an outside shot and the baby's crying suddenly stops. And then you go on with the movie. You just kind of let it sit there. Let people infer what they will. That would have been a moment where you're like, whoa. Well, and, and that's not, I'm glad that you, you pointed that out because that I think is what went wrong in, I mean, it, the, Gore and stuff has always been present in in the films, but uh, very good horror films don't need to have all the deaths on camera. Yes, and, and uh, you can you can generate a lot of horror through inference because the the most powerful weapon is the viewer's imagination. Yes, I I'm sh I'm shocked that they they haven't remembered that yet, and they. And f movie makers are are doing as much on screen violence as possible. They, and again, like I was describing with the the scene earlier, where the guy is is beaten to death, and you don't even see it uh, until you know police arrive on the scene later, and you see part of the body and a little bit of blood. Um, there are gory parts in the movie, but the gory parts, at least as far as I remember, are all specifically chosen to highlight things. They're put in for an effect. Um, and one of them was really kind of like stomach churning it over the top, but it only happens once. And it was specifically for an effect, again, to showcase how physically strong and indomitable Michael Myers is. But they, what you're talking about, they did uh, most of the movie, maybe all the movie. Um, they did not show a lot of blood until there was a specific moment the director chose to try and make a, a, an emotional impact on the audience. And so it wasn't just thrown around uh, as, you know, um, as set dressing just to be, uh, just to throw blood around. Oh, there's another scene in a trailer that was actually, I wondered if it was going to be effective in the movie, and it really, really was. Um, that Michael Myers comes into a bathroom and there's someone in the bathroom stall and he starts pushing on the stall and hammering on it and she starts screaming to tell him to go away and then he turns his hand and he's wearing this glove and it's a little bit bloody and he opens his hand and all these white objects clatter to the tiles and she looks down at them and realizes they're teeth 
their human teeth. And that's when she starts to scream. Oh, that was a really chilling moment that worked really well in the movie. Um, and in fact, her reaction, the actors, I want, I want to give a shout out to that scene. And I, I, I should have IMDb opened up because uh, that actress did a really, really good job. That entire scene um, could have been boring and pedestrian, but it was her reaction to what was going on, her absolute overwhelming fear at what was happening to her that made uh, that scene effective. It brought you into it so you were, um, so that you were scared for her because of her absolute fear. It was very, very human and it wasn't overdone. And it was uh, her, her acting and the way they shot it and put it together made that scene really, really effective. And it could have been really, really cheesy and kind of pedestrian. Uh, her name is Rian Rees. Um, she's from England. Uh, and it doesn't look like she's been in much of anything, and certainly nothing I've heard. I mean, she has like eight acting credits in IMDb. I expect that she will probably be getting uh, some more work based on the strength of her performance in this movie because that was uh, that was a great... Uh, moment in the movie. And so there are a lot of good horror movements in this movie. There are a lot of genuinely terrifying and scaring moments. There are some very effective gore that's limited to precisely moments the director has picked for punch. It's just that ending, that PC ending. Once again, it was the, the story that let let the rest of the movie down. So That's too bad. We, uh, uh, we're almost out of time, and I've got to stop because I've got to go... Um, you got to go be subversive today. Yes, I'm, uh, there's going to be a, a subversive Saturday show, um, and it looks like I'm going to have to set it up and host it. So, uh, and that's in like half an hour. <laughs> cool. So, well, I mean, it was cool to hear about the the film. I, I I know I said I'm not a big horror fan, but I've seen some a few of the greats, and and so I'm glad to hear that that all of the craft isn't gone yet. There's a lot to like here as a horror movie, and it, I just I wish I wish I wish they had thrown away that politically correct point they were trying to make at the end, and just gone all in on the on the horror. Uh, man, it, it it would have been such a perfect ending that Terminator ending. Well, it's I mean it, it sounds like you said it smells like studio interference for me. Could be. I don't know. All right. Uh, do you have any last words before we take off? Well, actually, it was a, it was a fun chat, uh, even though I didn't see the film. So uh, thanks for hanging out. And thanks to everybody in the chat for hanging out. Uh, yeah, you haven't convinced anybody in the chat to uh, go see the movie, I'm afraid. But uh, it, was, it was good to talk. Um, thanks for tuning in, folks. This is Geek Gab, Saturday, October 20th. It's episode 161. Um, we're here just about every Saturday at just about this time. 
Um, you can come in and listen live, youtube.com slash geekgab. Go ahead and subscribe and be sure to hit the bell icon to get a notice about when we're uh, uploading new videos and when we're going live. Um, we are also available. If you can't listen live, you want to listen later, you can listen to us on the Google Play Store, on the Apple iTunes Store, and on soundcloud.com. Just do a search for geekgab, and uh, you can download our show to the device of your choice and listen to an awesome, awesome show. If you do come and listen live, you can join in the audience chat. Um, and of course, if you're watching this on YouTube later, all the chat will be there so you can watch the chat as it scrolls by and you won't be able to participate, but at least you will be able to be edified. This is Geek Gab. We, your hosts, are abandoning you for today, but don't you worry. Don't you fret, we will be back.